This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of OPI Talk. I'm your host, Andy Braithwaite. Now, when UK wholesaler Spicers folded last year, it dramatically changed the market balance of what had basically been a duopoly between Spicers and Val. One consequence is that it has opened the door for another distributor, Exertis, to play a more prominent role. And I recently spoke to Exertis commercial director Raj Advani about how the company has responded to the changing market dynamics and for his thoughts on the UK independent office products channel. Okay, Raj, let's start perhaps just a very quick personal intro and then tell us a little bit about Exertis Supplies. Oh, personal intro. I, I used to work for a company called ISA back in the 80s, which is now part of VAL. Uh, left in 1990 and founded Advent Data, which was an EOS distributor. Sold out to what was MicroP at the time in 2011, and we've subsequently rebranded to Exertis, uh, which is a part of DCC PLC on the uh, on the FTSE. So it's a public company specialising in distribution of different uh, different areas: healthcare distribution, oil and gas distribution, LPG distribution, and we fall under DCC technology technology distribution. So I've been around for 40 years in this industry as such. We moved into office products, I think, six or seven years ago now. Before that, it was uh, just EOS. So, um, yeah, been around a while. Okay, good. Well, t- tell us something about that move into office products wholesaling and why that decision was, was made at that time. We, we decided um, some time ago that well, – well, actually – it was actually another part of our group. We had a company called Gem Distribution. They employed an ex-Spicer director for, for other reasons, not to sell office products. Uh, but after a discussion with the MD uh, and this person, they, for some reason, they came up to plan to sell office products. They didn't do a great job of it and ended up having a lot of stock uh, and selling it to our customers. So um, we said to them one day, look, you're not doing the greatest job. They give it to us. We'll... We're dealing with these people every day. You know, we've got the account set up. We're shipping on the products, but we looked at it differently. We thought we want to go and disrupt status quo because we knew our model wouldn't suit everybody. But we think we thought it would certainly have a, a profound effect on the market. And we also felt that dealers were, and probably many still are, stuck in this in this, in this dichotomy of competing with the large contract stationers but also having them as a main supplier, albeit under a different guise. So we thought there's an opportunity here to come in, do something differently. As I said, disrupt the market, take some share, um, but do it profitably. And we took we took the business over from them, as I said, about six, seven years ago now. I'm not sure exactly when. And I've been steadily growing it. We've not tried to come in and get to a certain side with, by in the first year, second year, we had, we had a very cautious growth plan. We wanted to do it profitably and not just go for just go for scale and uh, mm. and volume, but if, profitable sales. Yeah, if I understand it correctly, it was a let's say no frills 
approach with a limited range of products, but focusing on just getting the products quickly to the customers. Is, is that? Yes, that's always been our ethos, really. Uh, a low-cost distributor. Uh, certainly in the EOS department, we've, we've had a, a limited range. On, on EOS, we were we had the full the full offering of all the main EOS products. That was our that was our expertise, and still is. Uh, but yeah, moving into the office product arena, it was, we did start with a limited range. As I said, we didn't want to come in and try to emulate what the others were doing. We wanted to do it our way. We picked a key range of products that we would grow at a steady pace year on year and keep taking market share at a good profitable rate. That was the important thing to us to make profit out of it. But while also offering a good no frills offering to the dealer base. Okay. And you said that that offer was well received in the market. Yes, yes, I think we've done a good job there. Um, we're certainly dealing with far more customers now than we ever have done. Uh, the split of the baskets uh, on a, on every order is a good mixture of EOS and office products. We still have some dealers that specialise in EOS and don't really buy the office products from us, but we have a really good a good split and a really good customer base. Okay. Well, I'll jump ahead to a question I was going to ask later, but you talk about EOS and obviously you're part of a you know, wider group that specializes in EOS and audiovisual. I mean, how, how do you use those product synergies within the, the Exertis group for your, let's say, traditional office products dealers? Yes, we've, Exertis, as Exertis, um, are probably the fourth largest IT distributor across Europe. They sell something like 51,000 different items at the last count I heard. Now, within that, there's a lot of very high technical products like servers, etc. There's also a lot of um, consumer type products with like mobile phones, all the different cases, screen protectors, chargers, mobile chargers. So there's a wide variety of products. But what we have done, we've we've hand-picked about 9,000 products from their range, which we list and offer to the office products dealer. We don't have all 9,000 in our product, in our, in our warehouse. So we will, we will pull that from the Exertis warehouse, but the dealers have access to a nice range of 9,000 technology products from printers to audiovisual to televisions. We've even sold toasters and <laughs> kettles etc just if it's if it's got a plug in it we sell it that's what i always say um so as i said we pick the nine thousand that we think our dealers can sell without without too much difficulty or technical knowledge mm. um, as a good add-on sale and a good a good enhancement to their product offering yeah okay good now spices obviously everyone knows uh went out of business more or less this this time last year, to be honest. So, yeah. how did, how did that change a market market dynamics in the UK? And then, how did you perhaps change your proposition accordingly? Well, changing the market in the UK <laughs> historically, before we entered the arena, there was really only two main office products wholesalers. Uh, so, with um, with one of the major ones going, one of them going it's had a profound effect on the market from our perspective it didn't change anything from the long-term objectives it just accelerated the pace of the change for us it gave us an opportunity to work with a couple of the the dealer groups uh, something we resisted in in previous times 
it's quite well known in the industry. People said to me, "Oh, I hear you don't like being the groups." Well, it's not. It's not quite the case. When we were Advent Data and we were just an EOS distributor, we were working on very, very low single-figure margins. So, the concept of me paying you a percentage of what him down the road buys from me, I just couldn't. I couldn't accept because our margins were so low anyway. So we we always resisted um, dealing with the dealer groups. But since you moved into the office products arena, that the margins are slightly slightly higher than they are in the in the US. So we have embraced embraced a different way of working. So it's not that I don't like dealer groups. It's not that I've never liked them. <laughs> it's just that I never had the margin to be able to like them. Um, so we've. We've got a relationship with a couple of the dealer groups, which has been really well. It, it's taught us a lot. There are quite a few gaps in our range. We did have a limited, I mentioned before, we had a limited range, but we were growing it. It gave us the opportunity to work together and find the gaps in our range. Um, and we've added about, I think, 1,300 new products in the last year since Pfizer's demise in the office, in office products. And I suppose this also helped us engage with a, a wider dealer community and show them what we're capable of. Right. You mentioned relationships with, with two of the uh, the main dealer groups in the UK. W- would you say those relationships are similar to what they would have had with their previous wholesaler, or is it totally different now with, with Exertis? In some ways, it's different. We 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 are a low cost distributor still, um, so we're not offering some of the extra value add. Uh, items the spices used to do so they've had to change a bit uh, we've had to change I think we, we've met in the middle we've made some adjustments to our offerings they've made some adjustments to their their expectations from a from a wholesaler and it's worked well because we've worked in collaboration we've looked at what's really important to the customer what can they sacrifice what can we sacrifice and come up with an offering that suits everybody it's been really refreshing to to work with them and have people who want to work for you, want to buy from you, who help you improve your offering, help you improve your range, and it's just great. It's just it's been a really good year working working with the two of them. I heard in another interview that that you gave you you were talking about contractual relationships and guaranteeing a majority of spend with the wholesalers and you're, mm-hmm. you're quite critical of, of that that setup so are you doing something different at exertis well we're certainly not making people sign up to um giving us five years off their business and let us come and audit their erp systems to make sure we're getting 80 percent of the sale I, I think those sorts of contracts makes the wholesaler imperious and the dealer quite submissive and that's just not right to me I've said it so many times, I said it on the other interview, the customer should be king, not the other way around. And these contracts makes the wholesaler king. It, it allows the wholesaler to increase prices when they want to. I could, I could come to, if I had if I had five-year contract with the customer, I could, I could, what's to stop me coming tomorrow and saying 15% price increase from next month? What's to stop me withdrawing some of my value-add services? What, it's just not right. The customer should be able to keep the wholesaler honest. And I'm not saying them as dishonest, but I mean honest in a different sense. But keep us on our toes. Keep us working for the business. And these sort of five-year contracts are just, they're not healthy for the dealer. I also think another differentiator for us is we don't own 
the contract station. So we're not anyone's biggest competitor. But as you said, we do focus on keeping it simple. Mm. We're a distribution company. Sure. That that was Spice's argument for many years, wasn't it? Uh, the pure the pure wholesale model, which they then, for various reasons, uh, abandoned uh, several years ago. But you you are adamant that uh, you you will be trade only supplier. That's certainly our our philosophy at the moment. I think if if we were to own a contract stationer like 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 Spices did, and there's nothing against it, it's a very very good big organisation, but it's it makes it quite quite an incongruous relationship really you're buying from a competitor it's it's just it's not right i i, I just don't feel it's right um so yes there, there's no plans to uh, to move into that arena when you look at the market balance now of you know the wholesalers and the dealers taking into account your your increased presence would you say that it's a good balance for the for the uk office products market um i think there's i think there's still a limit in wholesaling of office products is really just us and Val doing the range of products that we do you have other people like antanis have got a very good a good range and a very well-run organization but the broad the broad line and about Val's product range is much bigger than ours but in a broad as a broad line distributor in office products then they've only got the choice really of us and Val. is that healthy well for me it's great we've only got one one major competitor as such i've come from a background with in eos we've had four or five and that's why our margins were very low single figure digits in the old advent data days um is it healthy for the customer i think as long as as long as they get the right credit terms, the right service, the right support from from your wholesaler, yes, I think I think it's workable. Now I understand you've got one main warehouse in the UK, I think near near Leeds. Is that right? That's for Exerted Supplies. Yes, yeah. we also have uh, Exerted have various warehouses. We we mm. we built a huge one up in Burnley a few years ago, which is the size of something like five or six football pitches and it goes right up to the gods um, and we have space on the side to to extend that as well um, we also have another huge one in a place called Rawns in Leicestershire mm. we do have some office products in Rawns as well okay. so but exerted supplies our main warehouses in Ireland West Yorkshire correct yeah okay I just wondered how how you use the exertus distribution network if you like or whether you concentrated your office products offer from from one one place. Yeah, it's mainly from Ellen with some of it from Rawns oh. as well. Room to expand if you grow the business, so expand ranges and grow the customer base? Yes, we do have growth plans. Uh, to be honest, space is, is a constraint at the moment and we are working on plans to, to get more space. Where that will be, we haven't quite decided yet, but we, we do have some plans to, uh, oh. to increase capacity. Now you have a range of products branded under the Value X brand, and it's not, as I understand, it's not strictly a, a private label in in the true sense of the word. Just tell us a little bit about about that brand and how that works. Yeah, Value X is it's not a brand; it's just an offering. Um, we select products that we believe offers good value in the market. That's easily sourceable by us. Um, so predominantly, we buy in the UK and Europe. So it, it, we have flexibility in the supply chain. Um, 
and there's a small penalty to pay um, in the invoice cost sometimes because we're not bringing in bringing in the product from China. But it's good quality product. It's very very reasonable priced, and it gives the dealer an alternative to the brand when they want a cheap alternative to a brand. We have a good offering. We've increased the range quite substantially over the last year. Um, so it's 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 an umbrella. It's just an umbrella to to a range of different manufacturers, sub brands, or different cheap alternatives to the to the main well known brands. Okay. But it's not a brand in itself. Okay. So it doesn't say value X on, no. on the on the packaging. Yeah. No. That's something you're looking at doing, maybe. Possibly in the future, we're still very committed to the main brands, uh, and that's why we've been reluctant so far to to start our own brand. I'm not saying it won't happen. We might we might decide to go down that route, but our focus has always been branded products. It was when we were in the EOS, and it still is, and we've carried that same ethos through as we've entered the OP arena. Just looking at the, the dealers in the UK, just take a general general overview of them how how are they coping in, in in this challenging market environment i think it's a mixture i think the the southern based ones have probably been hit more because that's where a lot of the spend is the large corporates are based down there when the while they've been furloughed or shut they've lost more a bigger chunk of the business but i think it's, it's, it's various it's some the well-run well-managed ones will find a way to, to survive. I fear some of the smaller ones might, might struggle. Um, it doesn't help when your biggest competitors keep buying other big competitors and becoming even bigger. And that must be really tough for the independent dealer. And I, and I do feel for them. Um, but there's still opportunities out there. There's, there's, I think they have to change the way they work. Maybe have to start holding stock more in, in some areas. Because certainly the overnight key drops that some of them were used to are just we're not doing them at the moment. I know the others aren't currently. I'm not saying they won't come back by us or the others, but I think they, um, they just have to maybe find a different way to work, become a bit more nimble. Okay, so what you've just said lends itself to to carry more stock if they're able to. If they're able to, yes. Yeah, and we're we're certainly seeing some customers moving back from a stockless model to a stocking model. Not the whole range, but the top X percent of their, their sales are moving back into that. Yeah. And we're certainly seeing in those dealers, the ones who are going back to a stocking model, we're seeing growth in their sales already. Mm. How are they coping, do you think, with the work from home trend and this hybrid working environment, which looks like we're all going to be moving into shortly? Yeah, I think... It's an opportunity there for the office products dealer, not just in changing the way they work, but in their customers all changing into a hybrid model. It gives them an opportunity to to sell more products associated with with that sort of hybrid model. For example, a virtual meeting room and the associated technology that that goes along with that. Um, but also, I suppose, selling more branded products because I think the home user is certainly more discerning and brand conscious when they're at home and they want that stylish they want that stylish stapler on their desk. In the office they don't care, they'll have a cheap alternative if they want. But when they're at home 
and they've got their nice little home office that, that they want a good quality, even a good quality Beeper Arch file. They want a good quality stapler. They want the best laptop. So I think it's an opportunity to sell more branded products um, and just adapt and sell a bit more of the technology. At home, people buying laptops, printers, more inkjet printers. Mm. Um, expand your range. Yeah. What about work from home deliveries or delivering to residential addresses? Is that something dealers need, need to offer? Is it a little bit of a red herring and then people can get, get stuff delivered to their offices when they need to pick it up? I mean, how, how do you view that? And is are you helping your your customers deliver to residential addresses, for example? Yes, that's something we've always done um, since our inception in 1990. Uh, a big chunk of our orders have always been what we call internally direct deliveries. Some people call them white label. Uh, we ship direct on behalf of the dealer to the end user. So when the end user gets a product, it looks like it's come from the dealer. There's no mention of exertus on the on the paperwork. Um, and it just looks like it's a box from whoever the dealer is. So that's um, something we're very used to. Yeah. But I guess perhaps in these times, more smaller orders and lots more addresses to, to, live, to live them to. So that's there's a cost issue there, I would imagine. Um, yes, but there's a, it's, it's just the cost of picking and packing and shipping. It's um, most of those orders are th three or four lines in a in a small box on the next day delivery with DPD. So it, it, it's not an insurmountable cost. It's, mm. it, we do a lot of it. We do thousands of boxes a day going out on, the, on that basis. Yeah, and it works for the customers. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, a lot lot of people have taken advantage of the furlough schemes in the UK, and these are you know they're due to carry on for a few more months. Yeah, what what hap what will happen? Do you think when those furlough schemes end and, and businesses are going to have to stand for for want of a better word on their on their own two feet again, are we going to see a dramatic change? Is suddenly that uh, people will be going out of business, or is that a bit too dramatic to say something like that? Um, I'm not an expert in in the economy, but I do I do fear that at the end of the furlough scheme. There will be some business failures across all industries. I'm not just talking office products. I'm just talking as a nation now. I do fear there will be some um, some business failures just because the furlough scheme has been propping the businesses up. Because if we don't know what the new normal is, that people aren't going to be eating out as much. They aren't going to be going out. I think at the moment in the UK now it's great. They've opened up, and uh, what I'm reading, people are going out and partying again. But 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 just generally across different industries. It, it is going to be different, and there's, there's been a huge effect over the last year. So I fear there will be some some business failures, and I think Brexit hasn't helped in some industries. Mm. I know some industries who were exporting to Europe are, are struggling to get their products over here now. Um, so COVID combined with the new way of working due to COVID and Brexit, I think it's going to have a slight negative effect on on some businesses. Yeah. To what to what extent has Brexit impacted Exertis? We haven't really um, felt a huge, uh, huge effect from it. We we do export some products into Europe, and we've had some challenges with that. But we set ourselves up well before we had a Brexit committee internally to to plan and, and try to foresee any any problems. We didn't foresee everything, and there are some uh, some delays now, some extra paperwork and a bit of extra cost. But it hasn't had a, a material impact on us. 
last question. What's top of your to-do list for the next few months? I think just keep continuing, keep uh, keep improving our offering, keep improving our range, keep supporting the independent dealer. They've had a hard time. We've here, we've throughout this whole lockdown, we haven't furloughed our sales staff. We've kept everybody on the phones to to be there for the dealer to support them. So, and I think that's been well well received by the dealer community. When they've needed someone to talk to, we've been there at the end of the phone to help them with any queries, anything, or even just for a chat. Sometimes we get a customer just phoning up saying, I'm frustrated, Just I'm just phoning you. I don't know why I'm phoning you. I'm just phoning you because <laughs> I wanted to hear a friendly voice. I've had a nightmare this morning. <laughs> uh, and we're happy, we're happy for that. So keep supporting the independent dealer community, helping them grow, helping them as things open up, helping them get back on the feet, have the stock available for them and help them move into new new technologies. As I said, we're, we're listing 9,000 technology products. There's a whole new way of working. We've got all of that stock. We can help them move into new areas to help them overcome any, any deficit in their sales. Okay, right. Good stuff, Raj. Good talking to you Good today. Time. Thank you for your time. Thank you. If you have got this far, then thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. Please check out our website, opi.net, for news, interviews, analysis, and much more from the business products world. We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk.